thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Good morning, Barrow. I was expecting better. Good morning, Barrow. Yeah, it is great to see you. My name's Phil. Um, First of all, I'm Johnny's younger brother. Don't let him convince you otherwise. Uh, I'm also Claire's husband, so after that uh, introduction earlier, that I've got quite a bit to, to follow this morning. Uh, but uh, it's been great to be in Barrow. Um, yesterday, I got to see the sights of Costa. Uh, I saw a submarine, and I, I got to see the mighty Barrow lose. So I promise I won't go again, because if they don't go up now at the end of the season, I will hold myself accountable. But it is great to be here. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I'm preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. So this morning, my title is this, Your Life in Whose Hands? Your Life in Whose Hands? Those pottery lessons that I talked about involved using clay. We got a rolling pin, I think, and we would roll it out, and we would try and shape it into the thing we wanted it to be. But I never had the opportunity of using a proper potter's wheel. Probably I would have made a mess of it if I had, but I never got that opportunity because I know that to use a potter's wheel in the way that it's intended takes real skill. And when it's done properly, it's fascinating and beautiful to watch. I probably wouldn't want to watch it all day, but it's beautiful. And as we've read there from Jeremiah, he was watching a potter at work and heard God speaking through this entire process. And in those verses, God is speaking about bringing down nations when they choose not to follow him and bringing them success when the opposite happens. And the point to the people is clear. To those people of ancient Israel, return to God's ways and he will allow you to prosper again. I know that Claire yesterday was talking about the story of Jonah. And if you were here, and if you weren't, you perhaps know the story of Jonah, how God sent him to Nineveh. Jonah didn't fancy going to Nineveh, so he took the opportunity of trying to get as far away from God as he possibly could. He got on a ship that was going in the opposite direction. And God brought him to his senses, he sent a storm, he sent a fish to swallow him up, and ultimately Jonah went back to the people of Nineveh to share that message, that you need to to turn your lives around, you need to follow God, not follow the lives 
and follow the ways that you are doing. And the people repented. The people decided to follow God. But that message went on. It said, defy God and pay the consequences. And years, years later, when Jesus came, he called people, just like you and me, in the same way to repent, to repentance. And Jesus grieved over Israel as a nation, as Israel refused to accept and believe and receive its Messiah. But he also talked about hearts changing, individuals changing. He spoke of God's kingdom advancing through each changed life. And he called people to repent. And just in this few hours that we have together this morning, we're going to think about some of the lessons from this wheel of the potter. And maybe those lessons for people many years ago, people from ancient Israel, still have some relevance and some meaning to us today. So three things this morning. First of all, God is a God who rebuilds. My lads are now a little bit older. Sam is 23. Jacob is 20. But I remember when the lads were younger. And they're not perfect now. They certainly weren't perfect when they were younger. And as a parent, you try and implement rules, don't you? You set boundaries for your children. Rules like, if you do that again, this is going to happen. If you draw on my freshly decorated wall with your felt tips, there will be consequences if that happens again. If you keep fighting with your brother, you will go to bed now. But of course... You give them a warning, and not long later, they're doing it again. And if you're a good parent, you follow through on your threats. <laughs> and you tell them to go to bed, or you tell them, I'm taking this off you. But you know what? Probably like I did when I was a kid, my lads would say to me, I'll try and do the best impression that I can. Dad, just one more chance. <laughs> and I'm sure that was something that I said. But I do like it. I like the fact that we get second chances. In fact, I wouldn't be in the job I'm in now were it not for a second chance. I went for an interview at my school probably the year before I actually got the job. And the first time I went... Everything that could go wrong, went wrong. And so I was relieved, second time round, it was almost the opposite. That everything that went, could go right, went right. I like to think I'm quite good at giving people second chances. I think it's probably fair to say that with children, if you are a teacher or a parent, you probably give them more than two. But you know what, this morning, I'm glad that I follow a God who gives me second chances. In fact, he gives me countless chances. And it's called grace. It's called mercy. Verse 4 of what we read said, that, said this, 
but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot. He didn't throw the clay away. He started again. That clay was marred. That pot was ruined. But the problem didn't lie with the potter. Because he knew what he was doing. His skill was reliable. The problem lay with the clay that he was using. And yet the spoiled design didn't stop him, didn't deter him from what he was doing because the potter kept working with the same clay until it produced something more beautiful. We have a God who doesn't give up on us. We have a God who keeps working with us. He is the potter. I nearly entitled it this morning, Jesus is the potter, not Harry, but then I decided not to. He is the potter. He is the potter. We are the clay. And yet we have flaws. Yet we have blemishes. Yes, we've messed things up because we're not perfect. Apart from my wife, who is perfect. But our lives, if we are honest, our lives are far from perfect. And we have our own things. We have our own ways where we've done our own thing and we've gone against what God wanted for us. Because he wants the best. Maybe there are times where you feel like Paul. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 7. This is in the message version. It says this in verse 15. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. You know what? God's not finished with us. God's not finished with us. He looks at our lives with all our faults, all our impurities, all the things that are wrong, and God's desire is to keep working on us, to make us ultimately more like him. So there's a God who rebuilds. There's the God who designs. Just notice the end of verse 4. It says that the master was shaping the clay as seemed best to him. This morning you are a one of a kind. You are unique. You are original. Your DNA is unique to you. God has made you, you. I looked at the stats this week. There are approximately 7.8 billion people on planet Earth. And there is no one exactly like you. Nor has there been anybody like you in the past. Nor will there be. There is nobody just like Johnny. No, and looking at some of you this morning, I'm quite glad about that. Yeah, I'm not getting invited back. <laughs> I read about a little girl who was a bit upset. It was a summer's day, and she was watching her sister jumping into the swimming pool. But she knew 
it was a bit on the cold side. Her sister's in there having fun, jumping around, splashing around, and she didn't want to. And she looked at her sister, a little bit jealous, and she said, I want to be more like her. And her dad, who was very wise, looked her in the eye and said, if you're not you, then who's going to be you? Who's going to be you? Comparison's dangerous. Really dangerous. How often do we measure ourselves against others? We look and see what other people are doing, what other people are like, and we judge ourselves by those standards. And more often than not, we come up short, don't we? Because that person looks better than us, or they're cleverer than we are, or they're more funny than we are, they're more outgoing than we are, whatever it might be. Back in uh, Salford at our, our church, we recently, with our team, did some personality tests. And everybody came up with something different. There were those people who were a bit more vocal, there were people who were a bit more introverted, a group of people who were were thinkers. But when we looked at those results, we realized afterwards that actually the fact that we were all different was a good thing because we complemented each other. And if you've got everybody being extrovert and loud, nobody gets anything heard because everybody's trying to get in their, their opinion. And being different and unique enables us to fit in. And it's important that we're different. God's designed you the way he wants you to be. He's designed your personality. He's given you certain talents, certain abilities. And he's designed you that way for a reason. Don't let anybody look down on you. Don't look at your life and think that you're not as good as somebody else, because God wants you to celebrate who you are, because like that potter making his, his pots and his vases, God has made you the way he wants you to be, and it's important this morning that we learn how to honor God with our uniqueness. Many of you might have heard of Rick Warren and his church in California called Saddleback, And they developed a course for their members to learn how to serve God in their own individual ways. And this group used an acronym, SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, which stood for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And God uses all of those qualities to equip us for ways that we can serve him in. Ways that we can be a blessing to others. Max Lucado asked the question, what have you always done well and loved to do? Because that's what God can use for his glory. The Apostle Paul was almost questioning God in the same way about how he was formed, his identity. And he said this in Romans 9. But who are you? Who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? 
And maybe today we're looking at other people and we're comparing our lives, we're comparing our skills to other people. And you wonder, you know, why can't I do that like that other person? Why is God given her that ability to organize? Why is it I can't play an instrument? Why aren't I that bit more attractive? Why aren't I more of a leader like they are? And what you're doing when you do that is what Paul says not to do. Because if we're the clay, we can't demand something of the potter. I've never, well, I can't say I've been into many art studios, but I don't imagine for one minute that I could walk into an art studio anywhere on the planet and hear the clay complaining to the potter. What have you made me into that for? I don't want to be a mug, I want to be a vase. <laughs> clay doesn't have an opinion on what it looks like, on how it is finished. It just is. And we need to accept our design, our uniqueness, and then use it to honor God. Do you know, whatever skills you've got, I know that here, in any church, but I know that here, there are opportunities to get involved. Because church isn't about 11 till 12 on a Sunday. Because the stuff that happens before, the stuff that happens after, the stuff that happens in the week, and if you're not involved on, and I know we all have different commitments with work, but can I just encourage you today, join the team. I don't know what all the different teams are here, but I know that there will be teams that you can get involved with. And you don't need a particular, smart, uh, particular skill. You, just, you need a pulse. You need a smile. You need a heart that serves Jesus. But if you're a good organizer, organize a way for the glory of God. If you're a good leader, then lead for God's glory. Maybe you're somebody who's quieter, but you're a real encourager. That's just as important. Come alongside people who need it and encourage them. Use your unique shape to honor the one who shaped you. The third thing, your life in his hands. Verse 6 of what we read said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And if you're in a relationship with God this morning, you're in his hand. You're in his hand, already there. The Bible says, if we have a relationship through Jesus then we're already part of a special, amazing family. We're grafted into that. And if you want your life to matter, then remain in the master's hand. And it might sound obvious, but spend time with Jesus. Spend time in his word. Take time to pray. God is sovereign. And if we stay pliable, if we allow ourselves to be molded and not just drift away, and become some ugly piece of half-formed pottery that's out of date and that's all dried out. Then let's put our life in his hand. If a, a, if a cup that had been made by a potter just sat on a shelf all day, doing nothing, it's worthless. Anything that a potter makes is only useful 
when it's taken down and it's used. It is worthless until it's picked up and a drink's put into it if it's a mug. And if it's not in the potter's hand, it can't be of any use. I talked about my magnificent ashtray. Don't know why it was an ashtray. Never, <laughs> nobody in my family ever smoked. But clay has to be put in a kiln to finish it, to make it into the finished product. And to do that, heat has to be applied. It's not a quick process. It doesn't always feel pleasant. But we can trust the hand of the potter to finish what he started. And that's all about following Jesus. It's about being a disciple, learning to follow him. And if you're a Christian this morning, God never made it, never promised it would be easy. Being a Christian is not a bed of roses. And sometimes, like the clay in the kiln, and the heat gets turned up, that's what life can be like. At times, it can seem difficult. At sometimes, it can seem unbearable. But through that process, God is making us more and more like Jesus. I didn't really know why they put clay in the kiln. I just thought it made it look nice or something. And I still hadn't really realized, so I looked it up as I was looking at this message this morning. Clay is heated so that instead of being weak, it becomes durable. It becomes strong. It becomes more able to survive and stand the test of time. And just like the clay, God wants to give us strength. God wants to strengthen us for the journey. God wants us to be durable. God wants us to be able to stand firm when we face things that are tough. He wants us to be more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he'd begun. Let me just draw to a close by telling you a story. There are many things that I'm grateful to my mum and dad for. I'm sure Johnny is too. But there is one thing, particularly to my mum, that I should be eternally grateful and that is that my mum from being about six or seven would practically chain me to the piano until I had done my piano practice <laughs> and I like to think that many years later people might feel a sense of entertainment when I play that there's a certain use to it because I can play with choirs and things at school uh, I can get involved in music at church but I know for my mum, getting us to practice was like pulling teeth. And there was one occasion where we were due to go to a piano lesson with a little old lady called Miss Morris. And mum and dad were away. 
And so whoever it was, I forget who it was, but somebody was looking after us. And one of the things they'd been asked to do was to, be, to take us to our piano lesson. And we, we didn't have sat-nav in those days, and we didn't have Google Maps. And um, my mum had clearly said to whoever it was, oh, Phil and Johnny and Ruth, they'll tell you where Miss Morris lives. And guess what? We conveniently forgot. <laughs> and we're driving round Swinton in Manchester, sort of, is it this road? No, I don't think so. <laughs> And um, I don't think we ever got to this lesson. But there was a lady who was feeling similar types of emotions to my mum. She had a son. She could not get him to practice his piano. She couldn't inspire him. And this is a story you may have heard. So to, to try and maybe this was the final straw to get him to love to play the piano, she saw there was a concert in town. And that the great composer and pianist Paderewski was doing a piano recital. And she thought, well, if I can get him to listen to somebody who knows what they're doing, if that doesn't work, I'm giving up. So she bought two tickets. They went to the concert hall. They sat down. And the little boy sees this grand piano on the stage. Anyway, mum turns around. And as mums do, notices friends and goes and has a natter. And the lights start to sort of dim a little bit, she goes back to her seat and realises the seat her son was in five minutes earlier is now empty. And she's looking round, wondering where he's gone. She looks everywhere, up in the balcony, down the stalls, until she notices, sitting on the stool of this piano on the stage, is her son. And he's sat there, he's climbed up the stairs, he's never seen a piano quite like this before, and he's thinking, for once in my life, I'm going to play the piano without anybody asking me to do it. And so he starts to play chopsticks <laughs> badly. And at first, there's a bit of laughter. There's a few sort of cheers of derision. And, and, and actually, then, there's a few boos. And just as he's about to give up, just as he's about to go back to his mum, a pair of arms come round either side of him and add the most beautiful accompaniment to what he's playing. And in his ear, he hears a voice, keep on going, keep on going. At the end of the piece, there's not cheers, or rather there's not jeers, there's not boos, there's not laughter, there's a standing ovation. He kept on going. And maybe this morning, that's the word of encouragement that you need. And God's got his arms around you. And he's saying, you know what? I know people are looking at you, they're laughing, they're giving you a hard time. Life is giving you a hard time. But God says, here, keep on going. Because God takes our life and he surrounds it with the most beautiful accompaniment. And as the potter takes that lump of clay that's misshapen, that's spoiled, and he puts it on his wheel, and he makes something beautiful. When we remain in God's hand for his use, he can take our lives and make them into something extraordinary. We used to sing a song years ago that went something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, Jesus understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. Yet God 
made something beautiful out of my life. And for you this morning, life might be tough. You might be running on empty. You might be thinking, it's not worth it. What can I offer God? And God says to you right now, right here, don't stop. Keep on going. This morning, let me ask you, whose hand is your life in? Who's in charge this morning? Be honest. Is it the God who rebuilds, the God who restores, the God who designs? Or are those designs and those plans yours? Let him take you this morning. Let him make something beautiful from the mess. My life's a mess too without Jesus. Let him take our mess and make something beautiful. Let's just pray. Just as your eyes are closed, just, just take a moment to just block out all the busyness of, of, of your week, of your day. Take a moment just to consider where you're up to. And ask yourself, is my relationship right with God? Is my life truly in his hands? Am I allowing him to take my life and do something with it? Or am I being stubborn? Am I trying to shape myself in my own way? Father, this morning, thank you for this story. Thank you that you remind us of a potter who takes that clay, who shapes it, puts it on his wheel and makes something that is incredible. Father, this morning, may we be people who allow ourselves to be molded, to be shaped, to be living lives that you want us to live and not just doing our own thing. Father, maybe we're here today and we've never come to a moment where we've said, Lord, I want you to, to take my life to do something with it. Maybe we've never asked you to forgive us from the mess that we've allowed into our life, from all those bad decisions that we've made. Father, thank you that you're a God who isn't a God of one chance, but a God of many, many, an infinite number of chances this morning. Father, just enable us to come to you. Father, if we need radical action, I pray that you would take hold of our lives today. Help us to invite you in. Father, do your best with us. Thank you for this, uh, this group of people. Thank you for the kids outside. Thank you for all that you're doing in this place, in this place of Barrow. Father, bless it. Continue to bless. Continue to bring in lives that need to be changed. Lives that need breakthrough. Father, will you just pour out your blessing? on here, on all these folk here today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.